American soccer fans, welcome to episode 63 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Donald Wine here, manager of Stars and Stripes FC, your source for all things U.S. national teams, the players that comprise them, and everything else surrounding the game of soccer in America. I'm back from all the travels for the most recent World Cup qualifying window, but I'm still on the road as I conduct this podcast episode from Kansas City ahead of the U.S. women's national team match here tomorrow. But we have to briefly recap what we saw and learned from the last three qualifiers for the U.S. men's national team. First off, a 2-0 victory over Jamaica and Austin, an incredible atmosphere there. Two Ricardo Pepe goals, a clean sheet by Matt Turner, just a wonderful night down in the Texas Capitol back on October 7th. Then the team headed to Panama for their second match. And that one was a different story. It was an abysmal effort by the Americans. It was a 1-0 defeat to Panama on the road, one where the U.S. men's national team did not record a single shot on goal, and their five total shots were their worst output since 2013. They then came back to the United States and to Columbus, to play Costa Rica last Wednesday. Costa Rica scored exactly one minute into the match, putting the U.S. men's national team on their heels, but they were able to recover. In a first-half strike by Sergio Dest, in a second-half own goal by Costa Rican goalkeeper Leonel Moreira, who was an injury sub for Kayla Navas, was the difference. And honestly, that own goal really is all attributed to the incredible shot that Tim Weah had that bounced off the goalpost and then into the keeper to spin across the line. So it's unfortunate that Tim Weah does not get credit for that goal, but this own goal was caused by his effort. So six points during the October window, 11 in total. They are currently in second place in the octagonal standings. Mexico were 14 is in first place before the window. I said that seven points was the goal. So they fell short of that, but maintaining in second place is still pretty good when the top three get a direct spot in the World Cup. They're still in position. They still are in the position that they want to be to qualify directly for the World Cup. I want to focus on a couple of points during the window that I thought were important. I want to go back to that Panama game because that's the loss. We have to discuss that first. The Panama game was an abysmal effort, as I mentioned. But what was abysmal about it is that the team did not look like they were ready to play. A lot of people can point the finger at a lot of different things. A lot of people are are blaming Greg Berhalter for not getting the guys ready to play, for having back tactics, for putting out a terrible lineup, whatever. And he shares blame in that. But the players do too, because I was at that game. And short of Walker Zimmerman and Brendan Aronson, I did not see a single guy who got off the bus and looked like they were ready to play in that game. At a certain point, we have to take the players to task when they are not playing well, and they did not play well in that game. Does that mean that I'm down on them? Absolutely not. Uh, I still have confidence in them. I still have their back. But when you have a bad day at the office, you have to say you had a bad day in the office and take the steps that you need to do to learn from that, grow from it, and improve. And we certainly saw that against Costa Rica. It took a few minutes, obviously, for that to happen. But they were able to be resilient and bounce back and get the win. That's what you expect from these guys. But down there, they need to learn that on the road and qualifying, it is tough wherever you go. It does not matter who the team is. We have seen in the three away qualifiers we have had so far that each team shows up ready to play. Their fans show up ready for this match. Everyone in that gym shows up ready. And you have to match that intensity. You have to match that energy. You have to match that effort. And 
at Panama, they did not do that. So obviously there's a next match coming up in like November. We have the home match against Mexico where you don't have to worry about energy there. That energy is going to be present. It already is present. But then you go on the road to Jamaica and Jamaica could be a team that is playing with no fans or playing with a full house at the office. One of the most intimidating atmospheres in all of CONCACAF, one of the more difficult places to play in all of CONCACAF, one where the United States has lost before. So the U.S. has to learn how to get that energy that they normally get from a home game, from that atmosphere that the fans generate at home and bring that with them on the road stepping off the bus ready to play, making sure that throughout all of the CONCACAFing and this Panama match had some elite CONCACAFing from the watering of the field on just one end to the ball boys doing their thing to the fans running onto the field, all of it. Certainly that will be looked at, but they have to be ready for that. They have to anticipate it and they have to match that intensity that the opposing team is going to bring. And so that's what the real takeaway from that Panama match is not that Greg Barhalter didn't coach a good game. He didn't not that the players that played a bad game because they didn't either, but it's that everyone who was a U.S. men's national team member, staff member, coach, player, whoever needs to match that intensity on the road. They have to bring it because the other team and their fans certainly will. And if that is the way you get swallowed up in World Cup qualifying and CONCACAF, it's not the home games. Is getting swallowed up on the road and buckling under the pressure and under the intensity that they provide. Conversely, I want to shift back to the first game of the match, the Jamaica match. Austin, one of the best atmospheres I've seen for a World Cup qualifier in a long time. Everyone who was at that match deserves a lot of credit from the players to the staff to every single one of those 20,500 fans that were in the building. Everyone there was loud. Everyone brought it and created in memorable experience, not just for me, but for so many people who were there. And the players responded to that. We could see that. I thought that was the best game they've played so far during qualifying. Ricardo Pepe, we can't say enough good things about that kid. Two goals was all over the place, but he wasn't the only guy that was playing well. Every single player on that team played well. Everything I mentioned that they didn't have in the Panama match, the intensity, the energy was all there against Jamaica. They brought the physicality. Jamaica tried to force them off the ball. And sometimes they were able to do that because Jamaica is a really good team, but they're just not playing well because they don't have that energy at home and they can't replicate it on the road. We took advantage of that. We exploited that and we took them and had them on their heels the most of the match, if not the entire match. So what we want to see from our United States men's national team is for them to keep that in the back of their mind as they go forth into the next window, which is, as you guys know, in just a few short weeks against Mexico at home in Cincinnati and then traveling to the office in Kingston to face Jamaica. We will see what happens from there. But those two games I thought were very important to highlight the good and the bad and ugly that is World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF. We've seen it all. And now we have to take the good and make it great and put it all together next month. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, I didn't want to do it, but we got to talk about FIFA's wild plans for the World Cup. We got to address it, but we'll do it after this.
We are back, and we have to spend a couple minutes discussing FIFA's plans for the World Cup. In the past couple of days, as you have seen all over social media and the news, national teams have reportedly been informed by FIFA that they should prepare for the World Cup to switch to a biennial affair that's every two years after the 2026 tournament. Furthermore, there are reports just today that part of this plan would be that teams could not compete in consecutive World Cups, which is where I say, how the hell could FIFA make the worst plan ever even worse? Make it where the World Cup champion in 2028 can't even defend their title in 2030? Can you really imagine FIFA fixing themselves to say, hey, France or whoever, congratulations on winning the World Cup, such a tremendous achievement. Sorry, you're not eligible to defend your title in two years. What the hell is FIFA doing? They've already expanded the tournament from 32 to 48 teams. The 2022 World Cup, just next year, in about a year's time, will be the last 32-team edition of the world's most popular tournament. Now, they want to have 48 teams every two years, with qualifying basically happening all the time. The basic elimination of friendlies and the Nations League as a result. All confederation tournaments like the Gold Cup, Euros, Copa America, and Africa Cup of Nations being moved to the off years. They also want to do the same thing for the women's game. This is even leading some in Europe to want to have their national teams withdraw from FIFA and start their own competition, which is ironic given how they viewed the Super League. This is ridiculous. It's watering down the tournaments and the very reason why the World Cup is so great. It's scarcity every four years and the difficulty it takes to not only make the tournament, but win it. 48 teams every two years? And it's not the same 48 teams. You're talking about 96 teams every two years. If the teams who are in one edition can't compete in a consecutive one, that's just lunacy. And some of you out there are probably about to say, whatever, man, you'll still watch it. That's not the point. People watching isn't why they're doing it. Their excuse that it'll make it so that young kids will stop playing video games and start watching soccer is not it either. It's just money. They want more money by having more tournaments. The calendar or players' health be damned. And they're saying the fans are demanding it? Uh Uh-uh. Nah, FIFA, you're demanding it. And the problem is they want people to talk about it because the talking about it is giving them the fuel to keep talking about it and keep discussing it as if this idea is a good one. So on this podcast, this will be the only time I mention this. FIFA, do not do this. What's wrong with every four years like we've done for the last century? What's wrong with a grueling qualifying schedule where the best teams in the world earn their spot in this tournament this great 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 tournament what's wrong with teams filling their calendar with a combination of confederation tournaments qualifying nations league competition my favorite and friendlies you want to have it where players can take a break where clubs aren't playing year-round and we're having year-round international competitions and qualifying just so they can get ready for the next one Why must you do everything to mess up a good thing because you think you'll make more money off of it? Stop it. Get some help. Put this plan in the trash. This will do way more harm to the prestige and importance of the World Cup than the extra euros or dollar bills or renminbi you add to your pockets. The fans don't want this. The players will be hurt by it. And FIFA's reputation will be trashed by it. So don't do it. I'm leaving it there for episode 63 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, 
Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Rates and reviews are awesome. They really help. So five stars. If you like what you're hearing, we really appreciate it. And for all questions, drop me a line at ssfcpodcast at gmail.com. In fact, the next episode will be a mailback episode. So get your questions in. Send them in. Hashtag us on Twitter. But until then, take care.